from the Comedy Zone at the NC Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is the Comedy Zone Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast and email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Spencer Taylor. Comedy Zone Podcast. What's up, y'all? We here. We in the house. Me, Brian, and just me and Brian. Yeah. Just wow. two lonely dudes locked in a room at the uh, Comedy Zone. Spencer is uh, under the weather, <laughs> oh, man. man. Under the weather. Yeah, of course, I feel bad. You ever get migraines? No. Nah. Yeah, I never have either. I feel like I've given people migraines. <laughs> I've heard that, but I ain't never had one. <laughs> I ain't never had a migraine. You're a carrier. Yeah, I've been told I, <laughs> I'm a carrier. I've been told I give people migraines, but nah, I ain't never, I ain't never had one though. No, I, yeah, have you had them before? N- no, I had, I, I had, I think one that I thought like might have been, you know, where I was like, you know, if this is what a migraine is like, I get it now, mm-hmm. b- b- but I don't think I've ever had. Like where I've been like vomiting and can't look into the light. Oh like man, that. I heard it's I heard that's it's awful. brutal. Yeah. I yeah, that's I yeah. I so definitely uh wishing wishing Spencer a speedy recovery. I'm sure she'll be back soon. Um but we got a big time show today. We got some big interviews uh, coming up for y'all today. We got Fortune Feemster. One of like seriously, one of the nicest people in the world. Yes. Just she's just awesome. Yes. I, I'm sure she is going to be <laughs> Fantastic. You can lift the veil. We've already done the interviews. We've already they're already in the can. We're shooting this sort of film style where we're not in we're not in chronological. People know. They get it. Do they? They yeah, they do. They know. Well, I, I didn't know that they knew. <laughs> There's no mystery anymore. I thought There's we were so still much. pretending. <laughs> and then we got James Gregory. Uh James Gregory yeah. came through, man. And also uh, a nice guy. Oh, just yeah. and and nothing says fortune feemster like James Gregory. That is that is true. <laughs> If true. you want two peas from the same <laughs> yeah. pot, cut from the same cloth, you don't get no closer there. No, but that's—I mean—that's the cool thing about comedy, man. It's the—it's the—it's the one thing. Um, well, one of the things that unites people from all different, yeah. at you know, genres and places and persuasions. Um, comedy's that common link, man. That's yeah. why I love this podcast, and that's why I love doing it because I, I got friends in comedy, man. That. Uh, I would have never known, yeah, if yeah. it had not been for this this thing we all do, yeah. So yeah, so that's that's really cool, man. So how was your holiday, Thanksgiving, man? How, what'd you do? You uh, the holiday was good. I I uh, again uh, this year um, it was my third year of producing the broadcast of the uh, uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade here in Charlotte. So yeah. so for about you know six weeks or so before Thanksgiving, it's all about the parade, and then and then obviously you know Thanksgiving morning crew calls at two thirty in the morning, so we're you know, we're at the production truck at two thirty Thanksgiving morning, and uh, I think I walked off the lot at about one thirty in the afternoon. So mm. uh, that's pretty much my Thanksgiving. It's all about you know the broadcast and and uh, and the parade. Now, is there a particular highlight that you have? The thing that you enjoy most about that gig? I like uh, I like producing huge events and things like that. Like I like you know doing this. And I like also doing, you know, huge event. We do it with nine cameras. There's like 40 people on our crew. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a big production. So this does not qualify as a huge event. Th- this podcast? Yeah, it's I a, thought you were saying this was. <laughs> I, I feel a, it is. Well, it's a it gets worldwide exposure. So in this that respect, true. yes. Yeah. So it may not have you know 40 people involved, but it's equally as important to me as the right. as you know producing the the uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade every year. But it, 
what I like, I think, is just kind of you know being in charge of a of a massive event like that. It's just mm-hmm. it's just a lot of fun, and then just you know trying to make it you know new and different every year, mm-hmm. and 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 um, developing you know new things, new reasons for people to tune in and stuff like that. But yeah, a couple. <laughs> one of the things that happens every year is. is you know they uh, they bring in Santa and they bring in Mrs. Claus. Okay. Right. So Santa's you know at the end of the at the end of the parade, Mrs. Claus is generally in the float right before Santa's float. Okay. But for and I don't want to spoil anything, but you know obviously that that these these are these are people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so every year, Mrs. Claus has to remind the people who book the hotel rooms <laughs> oh, <laughs> for the parade for the night before. Now you know that. Santa and I need separate rooms because they don't really know each other. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yeah. But she said there have been people who other parades and other events who, who book Santa and, and Mrs. Claus in the same hotel room. Like they like because they really they, married. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> Without thinking that these particular people are in fact actors <laughs> and may not actually know each other. <laughs> so that's just adults being big ass kids. I mean, why wouldn't they live together? They're saying that Mrs. Claus. Claus. I'm sure there's a lot of people who, who have have had their their childhoods dashed by Mrs. Claus saying, "I am not staying in the same room with that I, man." I don't even know him. <laughs> it's a sham marriage. It's a, a shotgun sham. Well, that's that. So when they finally able, they got her squared away. They got Mrs. Claus that, yeah, they got away. Mrs. Claus in her own room, and and yeah. <laughs> And Rudolph was like, I don't know either one of them. <laughs> I, these are not my masters. But that's yeah. That's uh, that's probably my favorite parade pre-production story is Mrs. Claus saying, "Now you know." Yeah, we need separate rooms. I always kind of wish like they would just have Mrs. Claus be like this hot young thing that's like using Santa for his that's money, exactly. <laughs> like just a hot young Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Claus, the like, gold digger. Yeah, people just look at him like. <laughs> Gold digging ass Miss Claus, man. Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, I don't know. I think, awesome. I think there'd be a fun twist on it. Like he leaves Mrs. Claus for a younger Mrs. That's right, Claus. That's right. <laughs> that's right. For a trophy Mrs. Claus. For a trophy Miss Claus. I don't know. I just feel like maybe y'all should do that next year. That's There's a great. movie in there maybe. Something. Maybe Tim Allen could play. Yeah. That may, that may be something we need to write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we got to get on that. The hot young Mrs. Claus. People would hate Santa. <laughs> he ain't coming to my house. Yeah, well, that's cool. Well, I had a, I had a cool Thanksgiving too, man. I, yeah. I really I stayed at home and uh, cooked for myself. Uh, my wife went to see her family, and I had uh, some shows mm-hmm. in Atlanta this past weekend, and I was kind of under the weather and stuff, so I just kind of stayed there. Made sure I got better so I could do my shows, and uh, it was cool, man. I cooked cooked a bunch of food that it was just me there eating. Wow! Uh, did all that, and yeah, just enjoyed the day. Um, one thing I realized though, I, I was never really into holidays like that. Uh, just just wasn't my thing, really. Yeah. But when you by yourself, you realize like. Yeah, this is probably better with families. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden you get it. Yeah, when like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes you being by because normally I'm with my family. Like, oh, this is overrated. But then when I'm by myself, I'm like, oh no, like I kind of miss. Yeah, when you're eating Thanksgiving dinner in your underpants. Yeah, sitting there in my drawers, you know, <laughs> nobody to tell jokes to, nobody to you know tell stories with. So you know, next year I'll make sure I'm with my family, no matter what I. No matter yeah, how I yeah. do it. But it was cool, man. I ate a bunch of food. That's my thing every year. 
Um, so you know, I and that's the thing I do during the holidays, man. I uh, I pick up weight. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I think I think a lot of us do. I thought you were gonna say I yeah. can tell. I'm glad. You, yeah, I'm it glad shows. You clearly me. let yourself go, dude. Yeah. I'm t- man. I'm telling you, bro. Like I, it's just this thing I do. My father used to do it, where you be you know working out and and eating cleaner all that stuff all year and then when the holidays hit i just let go and i'm like i'm gonna chill i'm gonna eat whatever the hell drink whatever the hell and then you know during the new year i'll just go ahead and get it back straight but that but that gets more difficult to do yeah as you get older you can't just rein it back in as easy and your body doesn't respond as quickly yeah so i'm in that phase where i'm still doing it like i did it 10 years ago but my body is much slower to react than it was ten years ago. Yeah. Plus, um, in a, it, I mean, January, like you know, January second, you start going back to the gym, and th- you, you can't move. There's, there's a, a oh, oh, million yeah. people in the gym. Oh, it's like January the club. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just, it's just, especially if you go to Planet Fitness or something, they giving yeah, out pizzas yeah. and bagels and shit. <laughs> people, some people ain't even working out. They just sitting there, you know, sitting down next to a machine eating some pizza. I'm like, I saw a woman on the treadmill with like a giant like Starbucks frappuccino. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You see him on the abs or the lower back thing, leaning back, sitting up, leaning back, sitting up, drinking coffee and eating a bagel, man. They they got a different kind of model. They're doing it wrong. (laughs) But this is a judgment free zone. Planet Fitness, they don't they don't judge you. No, they they don't not openly. They don't push you either. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean some people just really have the membership because you know it's almost like a place to take showers and stuff. Yeah. Because it's ten dollars a month. So really if you pushed it, you could stay in your car. Yeah, and not pay rent anywhere, and just go to Planet Fitness and take showers. So you don't get your bagel. And yeah, because because if you come shower. in late yeah. and you see somebody asleep on the weight bench, he probably lives there, and he just <laughs> I'm still using it, you know, <laughs> like you know, because that's you know that's how you got to work it sometimes. Times get tough, but uh, but like I said, the holiday was cool, man. Me and my wife, we uh, my wife came to Atlanta too. Nice, yeah. So that was fun. She we hung, and then we saw Creed. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you. About, yeah. Oh man, I've heard good things. All right, I'm hearing Sylvester Stallone best supporting actor buzz. Uh, I could see that. I heard he was good. I could see best supporting actor. Um, I I could see him getting that. I'm not an Oscars guy. Yeah. Uh, I stopped fooling with the Oscars when Denzel didn't get it for uh, Malcolm X. Yeah. That I yeah. was done then. I said this is a sham. I said this this is uh slanted and biased, and I'm done with the Oscars. <laughs> I I've I've I boy I've been boycotting the Oscars for about 20, how many years has it been? It's been a while. Who won it's it that year? Do you remember who won it? Uh, I don't know. You just remember Denzel? Did I just remember he was nominated. It was probably Tom Hanks. Was if as far as Gump? Yeah. Was it? Forrest was it Forrest Gump? Gump? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't I don't remember. But uh, no. Once Denzel didn't get it, I was like, and then they gave it to him for training day. I said, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Something that wasn't even yeah. close to as good as he was in in Malcolm X. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I said, the game is rigged, man. And then one year I saw it. It wasn't no black people. There wasn't no black, Chinese, Asian, Indian. It was just straight young white people. I said, I'm done with this. This is done. Yeah. This is it. I can't. What's that uh, new movie now about the uh, Chilean miners? Um, oh, with got, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, like every Hispanic actor they could find, they do. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me tell. You. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they they pull that too, where it's like, okay, you just found somebody. 
Well, there's apparently only like twelve of them because because all of them, you know you see Danny Trejo in, in oh. like movies oh, that's that a, he doesn't belong yeah. in yeah <laughs> they got him play any, him play anything that's which flows into so many stereotypes yeah. they just throw anything at him he'll do it I, you know like come on that's and then they got this uh, concussion movie coming out with Will Smith yeah I'm kind of looking forward to that one. I'm not going Will Smith with this African accent I'm done yeah. I'm good yeah. now you if you do if you <laughs> Like, and you can see him. It's like it's Will Smith, and he's like, "You tell me the truth." It's like, "Shut up!" I'm not going. I, and I like Will Smith, man, but they yeah, couldn't yeah. have found an African dude to play the African. I, that's what I, you know, I'm just if you, the NFL will come to tell the truth. It's like, come on, Will. I'm good. Nah, 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 nah. I'm checking out of that. So, but um, yeah, that. So you know, but but all in all, man, the holidays, doing stuff with family, hanging out. That's the. You know, that's the time of the year you charge your battery up yeah, yeah. and get ready to power through next year. And speaking of powering through things, we're going to power through the rest of this show. Like I said, we got some big interviews coming up. So y'all keep listening and uh, let's get to the interviews. Well, I'm in need. Yes, it's a trifling friend indeed. Oh, she's a gold digger. Way over time. That digs on me. Lots of great shows still uh, adding the Comedy Zone calendar in 2015. Of course, James Gregory tonight and tomorrow. That's Friday, December 4th, Saturday, December 5th. See the funniest man in America, James Gregory. Uh, coming up next week, Sean Jones at the Comedy Zone. Also, Keith Alberstadt on the uh, Comedy Zone schedule, plus Fight Nights and a lot of other special shows. But coming up in 2016, you can ring in the new year with Brad Williams, uh, a special New Year's Eve event. Check out the details at the CLT Comedy Zone. Dot com website. Also coming up in 2016, Chris Porter, Pablo Francisco, Coco Diaz, Piff the Magic Dragon, Carlos Mencia, Craig Shoemaker, One Night Only, Josh Wolf, Ari Spears, Arsenio Hall, uh, D. Ray Davis, Charlie Murphy, Lil Duval. Uh, a huge 2016 on tap here at the Comedy Zone for a calendar of all the shows coming to the zone and, of course, the special shows and the off nights. To buy tickets, you can go right to the Comedy Zone website at cltcomedyzone.com. And to keep up, follow the club on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Zone CLT. And of course, find us on Facebook. Welcome back, Comedy Zone Podcast. Got a very special guest here, the talented, amazing... Uh, Miss Fortune Feemster, how are you? I'm good now that you g- gave me all those credentials. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, wonderful. I yeah. like it. Well, I feel like it, you know, I, I, it, that that sometimes I say it and I don't and mean it. And you don't it. mean it? Yeah, but this time. This time. Yeah. Wait a second. Uh, yeah. It feels like something you tell all the ladies. This time. <laughs> only I ladies mean named it. Fortune. That's only. <laughs> you probably don't meet a lot of the ladies named Fortune. That's true. That is a unique name. Yeah. What's the. Did your parents have some special meaning with that or no, they just like the name? You know, Southern people like family names and it was my grandmother's maiden name. So oh. there's a bunch of people in my family with the last name Fortune. Oh, so that's how that goes. Mm-hmm. I got a younger brother. His middle name is Delaware. <laughs> really? <laughs> Literally. 
that man's middle name is Delaware. Do they have a affinity well, for the state of Delaware? Well, apparently, uh, his grandmother, their family is from the Delaware Indians okay. along the river, so that became a family name, yeah. and then it transferred it. But he can't; he couldn't stand it growing up. Well, I know it's, it's different when you're growing up to have a name. It's my middle name, so right. That's it. Yeah, right. So I got lucky. I went by Emily. Growing Emily, up. yeah. Okay, so it wasn't. No, so I didn't get teased or anything. I started going by fortune at the age where I was confident enough to be like, all right, I'm going to rock this name now. <laughs> See, that's what, that's what, when I watch your comedy, sometimes I think, like, this sounds like a person that, like, went back and forth with getting made fun of and turned the tables. Right. Is that, am I right in yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, I, I was never, like, bullied or picked on, mm. per se. You know, like, you hear some people have horror stories about growing up and I, I was pretty lucky I think I uh because of my sense of humor was able to make friends with a lot of people yeah but you know I was always chubby and awkward so mm-hmm. there would be certain boys who would call me fat and I'd be like whatever <laughs> and now I'll call myself fat so you can't ha 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 but it it, it helps develop a sense of humor right yeah, because you, you gotta like when I was young, I got I got made fun of. My really? my middle name is Albert, uh-huh. and this was during the height. The of fat the, Albert. <laughs> I mean, I walk into class for hey, hey, hey. I couldn't walk into class without people saying it. Uh-huh. So you know, I had to develop a sharp yeah. kind of thing that eventually became sure. a part of my comedy. Well, I was I had two things going. I've always been a bigger girl. It's just. Mm-hmm. I love, I'm sitting here holding a Bojangles <laughs> cup, so that's my fault. Uh, so, I, you know, I wasn't getting attention in that as far as, like, people admiring me for my looks. Mm-hmm. And then I was in a gay. I just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. So, I think, but I think when you're in the closet, you put off something where guys aren't really paying you attention either. There's just mm-hmm. something, there's a disconnect somewhere that they... You both sort of know. There's an energy that doesn't link yeah, up. Yeah, it doesn't link up. And so I wasn't the object of affection from guys either. So right. you just kind of have to, you know, the cliche is work <laughs> on your personality. And that's what I did. Right. Now, how, now how did comedy become the platform? Did you always want to know you wanted to perform? or No, I didn't. I, I would say in life I'm a little on the shyer side than people would expect i think they think i'm just like life of the party which i can be Mm -hmm. um but i'm a little more reserved i grew up watching saturday night live and stuff like that and i always would try to do the sketches for my friends like reenact (laughs) like molly shannon's characters and mary Catherine gallagher so Mm -hmm. i had some like for comedy but i don't think you could do it for a living um i just moved out to la kind of on a whim and, really? Yeah, to work for an actress. Oh, so you didn't move to L.A. to do uh-uh. comedy. I never did comedy before I went there. How long ago was this? That was 13 years ago. Oh, wow. And so I moved out there because I got offered this job as an assistant. I was like, you know what? That just seems like a cool life experience. And mm-hmm. I never had any desire to move to L.A. And never. It was never in my plan. I didn't really have a plan, I guess. <laughs> so that's why I ended up there. I was like, sure. I just went with the, like, cool, that's a experience and i'll do that yeah so it wasn't until two years into living there that i heard about the groundlings where a lot of snl people studied and having grown up on it i was like well that if they did that i'll do that that seems fun and probably is silly and Mm -hmm. just it just grew from there 
Wow. And so you so you started with improv, improv yeah. and then that dovetailed into stand-up? It went to from improv to sketch okay. and I thought that would be my path was sketch. I auditioned I tested twice for SNL and thought, you know, this is this is it. I've been watching it my whole life. <laughs> now it's my turn. And it didn't work out. But uh it was cool. I got to go on the stage and perform for Lauren Michaels and Seth Meyers and all those people. Because this was back in like 2009, 2010. Now, now what what is that process like? I, I mean, because... Totally nerve-wracking. Because you don't kill, right? I mean, there's... No, it's not like... Well, my first audition, they had always told me you don't kill. They're like, just know it's going to be silence. And the guy before me killed. Oh. And I was like, What? And he, it was Paul Britton. He got hired that year. And I, he had some character he did in like a one-man show. So it was a very seasoned thing yeah. and just destroyed. He got hired but then got fired after the first year or something like that. Mm. Um, I went – I only got uh, – I got a call at like 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I, they told me I had to be on a plane that night to audition the next morning. Wow. So talk about being unprepared. <laughs> I I just was shot out of a cannon, just pure adrenaline. So I don't even know what happened. Right. But, you know, it was a cool experience in that you're on this legendary stage. And, you know, even if you don't get it, there are very few people that can say they got to, to at least try. Right. And well, just getting the audition itself is a big testament to being on their radar and being, mm-hmm. you know, so, having some enough talent to for them to want to bring you in right that means something yeah because he won't because a lot of people will showcase for like their casting people mm-hmm. and never make it to him you know i got to go straight to him twice right and he saw me perform in la they came to a show of mine uh with some other groundlings people and yeah and i got to perform in front of him and kristen wig and all oh, their wow. producers and she, she came up after the show was so nice, and I actually was doing a character where I was playing a uh, Girl Scout that was 10 years old who ate all the cookies, <laughs> and, and I had chocolate all over my face, and I had a book bag in the sketch. She came up to me, she goes, that's my childhood book bag, because she came up with the groundlings. She goes, I carried it with me from the age of five until... I graduated high school and my friends made fun of me and told me it was so old I needed to get rid of it. <laughs> so I threw it in the uh, the closet, the costume closet, the groundlings. And there I was using her using childhood her book, bag. book bag. How about this small world? For I know, real. right? <laughs> so then, so then I the, said, I found your drugs in there, woman. <laughs> <laughs> so then the the, uh, the improv, a lot of long form. I, I have an improv background myself. Oh, yeah. I, I perform with the uh, Charlotte Comedy Theater. Nice. They have a, yeah, they have a, um, a theater here and we yeah. do improv shows. I probably, about three years yeah. maybe in. Now, so yours was long form or what, mine what wasn't of? i it the groundlings does a short form like a lot of oh, care it's a lot of characters and, and a lot of you know long form is a lot of cere it's more cerebral it's yeah. finding the where where the hook is and like intertwining that into a lot of different scenes mm-hmm. groundlings is more like what character can you bring to the table that's fun and silly and Mm-hmm. But they, but then you, they would branch out into. You could learn long form. It just wasn't the same as probably the Herald type thing that right. people do. See, that's the short form is more fun. It to is. Me. It's I, more I, f- I, I like that. More. It's more fun for an audience. Like it's the it's, but long form is smarter per yeah. se. Yeah. 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 Now how now how would you say then that the improv background helped your stand up or or? 
Is there any, are there any parts of it that you say, that's a skill that helps me now? Yeah, well, I went through the ranks of stand-up pretty quickly, I think, because I've started an improv. Because mm-hmm. your first few years of stand-up is just getting comfortable on stage. Mm-hmm. And it's not as much about your material. It's about forming an act and finding your voice. Right. And because I had gotten really, really comfortable with improv, once I had a stand-up, I was like, oh, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I went right into the material because the stage presence, mm-hmm. I felt like, had been developed th- for the couple of years prior. Mm-hmm. So I got pretty lucky. I started at the comedy store out in L.A., which is a tough place to perform and start. The audiences are... Back, at least back then, were pretty gritty and mm-hmm. didn't give you a lot. You had to work for everything, yeah. every laugh. And within a year, I was made a regular there. Of, wow. uh, and I'd never done stand-up. So I went from being in their upstairs belly room of, you know, 10 minutes to, like, downstairs. And then they made me a paid regular after two years, which is pretty unheard of. I mean, there are guys now that don't have it and been there 20 years and Mm. so i got really really lucky and i think improv helped me sort of go through that rank very quickly and then i got two and a half years into doing stand-up i got last comic standing so they're like how long have you been doing this i'm like you know uh you don't want to tell them like you know a couple gosh how many years a while it's been a while yeah and uh (laughs) Then six months after that, so three years in the stand-up, I got Chelsea Lately. So I went from starting stand-up, never opened and never featured. I went straight to headlining, so I had to figure it out. I was all of a sudden on the road having people look at me to do an hour. Going from 15 minutes at the comedy store to an hour on the road was like, that first like two years was a little rocky. (laughs) Finally, I figured it out, but normally you start as an opener or a feature to work your way up. You learn on the road and yeah. build stuff on the road and that did not happen. <laughs> it was just like, you're up, you're up. Let's do this. Now, whatever times were, because I know how comedians, bookers, club owners can be, mm-hmm. whatever times where you had to tell yourself, you know what, I belong here. I belong headline. I, I, I have earned the things um, I think that are I'm happening. finally getting to that point. I, I've, <clears throat> I do feel, I mean, I work very hard. Like, during that time I was coming up through the ranks, I was doing like six shows a week and I had three sketch groups, two improv groups. I mean, I was working it, mm-hmm. but I know that stand up is a long game. And so I don't know that I'm still quite earned my stripes. I'm still earning them, but I, I, I'm, I just look at it right now as a building, like yeah. I'm building and I say I've earned the cool things I've gotten, but I've got a long way to go to be like a classic stand-up, you know, right. to be that like I don't know, veteran. Yeah, I know exactly what you said. Now, now you um you you have such a unique perspective. Number one, you're from North Carolina, mm-hmm. right? You already mentioned lesbian. Yep. You already mentioned uh you Food. said chubby. I don't know what <laughs> like I don't know what to call you right now. Right, you but can you, say it. But you but you I'm just trying to remember your words <laughs> mm-hmm. so I can use those. But like, um how dare you? All of a sudden I'm so mad at you. <laughs> but it's like you you're just such a different kind of energy and then you yeah. live in LA which is yeah it's not what you would think well the, I had a hard time getting on Chelsea lately before I got hired as a writer we submitted me to do the round table and they told me no really they're like she's too laid back she's too demure you know like 
I have this just kind of like easy going thing and they didn't think it'd work for the round table. Chelsea hadn't seen me. It was just the people under her. Mm-hmm. And then I got hired as a writer and then two months into being a writer, I was a regular on the panel. Wow. So you just never know what people are going to respond to. Right. And I think people like that. I'm I look more like I mean I'm weird looking I have this big fro and big <laughs> belly but I'm a more of an everyday person I'm yeah. wearing jeans and t-shirts and mm-hmm. you know I think LA is slowly Hollywood slowly starting to see that people want that they want mm-hmm. that relatability yeah and that's what I think has helped me in my career is that people feel like they can latch on to what I'm talking about right now now do you feel a is there any social component in, in, in your approach? And when I say that, I mean for any kids out there mm-hmm. that are that are being talked about or any kids out there that, you know, are, are lesbian or gay or uh-huh. any kids out there with weight issues. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, you know, I can be a role model or is that something you don't even deal oh, with? Oh, yeah. I mean, I want to be a positive influence for sure. I mean, I naturally... Uh, I'm a pretty responsible person, uh, which is weird that I'm a comedian. I'm like uber nerd. Like I'm an uber nerd. Very, I get to the airport way too early. You know, like I pay my bills on time. I don't party a lot. Like I'm definitely like just, yeah, I'm not, cra- you know, out there doing drugs. So I take that role, but I'm not doing that because I'm trying to be a role model. That's just who I am. But with that, I take the being a positive role model seriously. Like, I definitely have no problem having somebody look up to me, and I hope they would because I feel like I'd make an effort to be a good person, and I want that to – I just try to pe- treat people kindly, and I hope that they see that, and then that makes them want to be kind to someone else. Right. And also, you know, being gay is – I take that – Roll, roll seriously because I've had a lot of people come up to me at shows that said that they've never told anybody before but they're gay and they felt like they wanted to tell me for some reason and just getting that off your chest is a huge step and that's an amazing thing to get to be able to have you know show people through my life that I'm normal I have fam- I got a family I have friends and right. I'm gay I didn't nothing bad happened my right. life is actually pretty full Right. Because I'm being who I am. Right. And it's amazing to hear that because in my mind, I'm like, there's still people out there that need to see that gay yeah, people there are is, normal. There but, is, yeah. yeah. You would think, you know, you we have come a long way, but you'd be amazed at how many people still are not accepted by their family or, oh, yeah. you know, kicked out of their house or... It's a terrifying thing to tell. Even I, I come from a good family and I was scared to tell my family because you just... In you your head, know. you go to the worst place. You're right. like, they're not going to love me anymore. And then if you've ever heard them tell gay jokes or stuff at cookouts, yeah. like, how are they going to react? Yeah. You, you know, and so, but I try to make being gay normal. It's because it's like. Because it is. It is normal. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm not, you know, different or special because I'm gay. I'm up there telling jokes about my family like anybody would, you know. Right. Being gay is a part of my act, but it's not the whole thing and it's a part of who I am, but it's not the whole thing. Right. And so that's kind of I just any influence that I can have is just on me living my life in a 
positive way. Well, that's cool that your material reflects it in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a part of what you talk about, but it's not all like that's not all I am. Yeah. You know, in the same way when I perform, I don't just stand up there and talk about being black for thirty minutes. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Ha. <laughs> Maybe I should. <laughs> so. I was black. That's all I talk about. I love being black. <laughs> but now it's like you know, it's the, there's so much more yeah. to a person, and I think we shortchange ourselves. But. Put, yeah, yeah by boxing people in box, like that, yeah. like and some of the stuff you do, like I, I love the the Hooters. Oh, thanks. <laughs> like, where you, you talk about guys sitting there, you walking up yeah. in the small Hooters outfit. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> it's all about finding, putting myself in situations that you wouldn't normally think I would be in, and right. seeing what those reactions would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now with what, now with what you've, with everything you've done. How big his family support been? Was that there? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, They, you know, I'm far away from my family. I'm 3,000 miles away, so that's tough sometimes. Uh, But I have to live in L.A. to, you know, do what I'm doing right now because I've started acting a lot, too. And Mm -hmm. um, But they're always super supportive. Every time I have shows on the East Coast, especially here, they're Mm -hmm. always here. My mom is front and center, and I had her selling merch last night. And people, I wish I could take her on the road with me everywhere. People just throw money at her. They're oh, just yeah. like, whatever you're selling, I want it. You're awesome. Like Your impersonation of her is so good. Yeah. Like, she, that's hilarious oh, when you do your mom. Well, she's just such an, anyone who meets her sees she's her own character. Yeah. And then I tell stories. They're like, that can't be true. I'm like, oh, just go meet her after the show, and you'll see. <laughs> you'll see. That that's, she's half my comedy. Oh, that's good. That's all. I mean, that's. I think that just is such an advantage yeah. when your family's behind you like that. Yeah, for sure. I have a great. So I've been lucky. I have really good friends, good family, like a lot of people. And I'm from Belmont near here. Yeah. And my whole hometown. Like even before I got to the place where comedy clubs were hiring me, Belmont mm-hmm. would throw like private like events where I would go perform in the bar, and like 200 people would show up. Wow. In my hometown. Well, I know we got to get out of here uh, in a second, but I have one more one more quick yeah. question for you because you know we're in North Carolina, of course, Charlotte, uh-huh. North Carolina, and there's a lot of comedians that perform here. Yeah, that you know talk a lot about, and, and in other towns that mm-hmm. are not L.A. and New York mm-hmm. and Chicago. Is there any advice you would give to people kind of starting out here in a smaller place? Yeah. Is there a time when to go? Do you need to go if there's certain things you want to achieve? Or what's your perspective on that? It depends on what you want to do. I would say if you're going to be somewhere outside of New York and L.A., the best thing you do is just write, write, write tons mm. of material so that if you do move to one of those cities, you are already like have this huge arsenal. Because... I don't know, unless you start on the road, you can start here, but unless you go on the road, you're not going to get a huge following outside of Charlotte. You got to mm-hmm. go on the road or to LA and New York to get that. Mm-hmm. So when you're here, you might as well build your material, build all of your, your, your whatever your voice is, mm-hmm. find it and hone that so that when you start touring, when you start in those big cities, you already come in like... They recognize you so much faster. The people like started in San Francisco would come down to LA. We'd be like, "Whoa, right. like look at how good they are." Yeah, and that's because in San Francisco they were just killing like shows, tons of shows. It's all about getting on stage. It's all about practicing, developing. And I would say if you really want, if you want to be a road comic, 
totally be in Charlotte and just start doing the road. Mm-hmm. If you want to be an actor or do like on air stuff, you got to go to Eventually LA or to. New York. Okay. But so it's just all about what you want to do. If people want to just be a headliner, you can live anywhere. Right. And just start building that because it's all about you got to travel anyway. Right. But your base can be anywhere. So the first thing you need to do is clearly identify your goal. Yeah. And then you can move. Figure out who you, what kind of comic you are here. Mm-hmm. Build yourself. Build your voice, build your material, then go forth and prosper. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great note to end on. I wish we had more time with I, you, well, Fortune. But thanks for having thanks me. Thanks for dropping by. We appreciate it. Enjoy Charlotte, your show. And much continued success. Thank you. All Good right. luck to you. Thank you. You can find Fortune Feimster on Twitter at Fortune Funny and uh, James Gregory. Not really on the Twitter, but uh, you can search for him anyway. Keep up with us at the Comedy Zone Podcast by following us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Find the Facebook page. Search for the Comedy Zone Podcast on Facebook with exclusive pics and links from each week's show on that page. As for the crew, Will Jacobs is at I am Will Jacobs. Spencer Taylor is at Spencer Taylor. I'm at NCBalto72 if you're interested. Remember to check out the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us. Leave a review. Best way to help this show continue to grow. And while you're at it, go ahead and tell two friends about it. You can do it as your Christmas present for us. We didn't get you anything except a brand new show every week. The least you can do is you know tell a couple people about us. Welcome back, Comedy Zone Podcast. Sitting here with Mr. James Gregory. How you doing, brother? Well, good. Good to see you all. I'm all right. I'm in good shape. First of all, I want to say I love that hat. Well, thank you. I got two payments left on this hat. <laughs> <laughs> I would say layaway, but yeah. Yeah, it's, man. It's an annual installments here. Yeah. I, so how, so how you I got a red one, I got a black one, and I got a brown one. A red, a black, and a brown. Yeah, if, if it had just been one hat, I could have paid cash. <laughs> But there's three of them, so I got I got credit. You know? Well, maybe I can save up and get me one like that because I like that one. <laughs> I got the gray one. I don't got the yeah, leather. Look, I just got you don't the, have the style though. Yeah, I I, don't, I got a, I got I need a couple more years uh, on it. I think wear it in a little bit. <laughs> so how you feeling, man? Everything's I feel good. good. Yeah? I'm always I'm always pretty good. You know. Yeah. That's, yeah. So you, you alive above ground? You know. Yeah. Nobody's repoed anything in a long time. So that's the <laughs> so you, you now you in Charlotte uh, this weekend, right, right? Tonight and then two shows tomorrow. Now you must like. And Charlotte. it was here last weekend too. Yeah. Last weekend was Thanksgiving weekend. Mm-hmm. You may or may not know this. You know, I've done Thanksgiving weekend uh, every year in Charlotte for well almost twenty years. Oh, wow. I was going to say, that's like a big, I mean, the Comedy Zone makes a big deal out of that being like their Thanksgiving Uh, weekend. And uh, I've been coming to Charlotte much longer than that. I've been coming to Charlotte every six months, beginning in 1984. Oh, wow. I'm in my 31st year of working in Charlotte. Wow, man. So it's like a second home. It surely is. I love Charlotte, North Carolina. I love uh, the Comedy Zone. I always have, you know. Mm -hmm. So as the years have gone by, there's only four or five comedy clubs that I like to work around the country because I do a lot of my shows now in theaters and festivals and state fairs and county fairs, you know. But uh, I I just, uh, I don't know, I just love the Comedy Zone. I love 
Brian Heffron and all yeah. those people there. And now, so. I, I wanted to ask you, after all these years, mm-hmm. what is what is it about comedy, performing, traveling that you still love? Like, what is it that keeps you keeps you going? Because some people get tired of it, bored with it, don't want to perform, don't want to hit the road. No, that's not true, by the way. They are all lying. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Really, they are. Yeah. See, here's what happens. Mm-hmm. Nobody gives up being a comedian and then next month gets a job at Walgreens or our dealership because they got tired of doing the comedy. Mm-hmm. The reason they change jobs is because they run out of money. Oh. Does that make sense? In other words, mm-hmm. they're not making much money in comedy anymore. Okay. I need a job, so I better quit playing around with this comedy and get a real job. So that's why most That's what leave. happens to those comedians. Okay. But those of us who do this professionally, and this is what we do, and this is our business, then we never go away. Mm. You know, that's a, that's a big misconception about uh, the comedy business, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of comedians don't quite understand that either. Well, they've been in the business one year, or they've been around five or ten years. I think what happens to a lot of these guys is they start off doing this because it's fun. They meet a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And there's always some booze around. Because most comedy <laughs> clubs, you know, they, you got drinks. That's you right. Come out. And hey, man, hey, uh, this is great. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you got, you got to, at some point, you got to take it serious. You know, you got to take it serious and, you know, and treat it like, you know, well, this is my occupation. Right. You know. Now you were you were already a professional before you went into comedy, right? You had a background. Well, in I sales. think most people are. I mean, very few. There's a few comedians I think who get out of college uh, and then next week they become a comedian. I think all of them had a job to some degree. Well, a lot of these young guys, man. I know some of the young guys. I know because I met a lot of those people when I was starting in comedy. Mm-hmm. But still, though, I'm simply saying you don't have to have a little bit of common sense. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Just a little common sense. You got to. Uh, Work hard and keep your nose at the what's that grindstone? Yeah, your nose to the grindstone. And it'll work out. There's a lot, a lot of places around the country that uh, that you can work. I know the comedy clubs are not as many as Mm -hmm. they used to be, Mm -hmm. but there's always a place to work if you try real hard. Mm -hmm. You know. So it, it, it depends. Whatever people makes happy is what they should do. I'm uh, not criticizing anybody. I got you. But I'm simply saying that the next time you are talking to a comedian and the comedian saying that he's given up comedy because he's tired of the travel, mm-hmm. that's not why he's quitting. Mm. He's quitting because he's tired of the low money. Mm, the money ain't worth it. <laughs> the money that. ain't worth it anymore. I got All you. Right. I got you. So, right. so then, So then did you always know – Growing up, that you had kind of a, a like you love making people laugh, or you what know, got you into comedy? I've always thought I had a great sense of humor, mm-hmm. but I, don't you think most people have a good sense of humor? Most, most, fun, most people I like to be around do. Yeah, you know, so I was not overly funny, you know, uh, but I always had two or three friends who thought I was funny. <laughs> they, they thought I was funny, you know. Uh-huh. So, uh, I mean, I was in the sales business for a long time before I started in the comedy. And I'd have two or three associates who thought I was funny, but I couldn't see. I couldn't see that. 
In right. other words, I was yeah, I was just talking. I was just saying what I say, you know. Uh-huh. And they think they thought it was funny. Right. So I don't think I don't think overly funny uh, before I got into this business. Mm-hmm. But I think I had a good sense of humor, though. Yeah. It, but then, and then one day you saw that you could make a career out of well, this, the, right? the first comedy club in the United States in the southeast in the southeast opened in 1982 in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm, okay. So that was near you. Uh, yes, I, I still live there, mm-hmm. you know. So that's where I got a taste of the comedy club um, industry. You know, that's when it was starting. Mm-hmm. You know, prior to 1982, the only place you could see live comedians, uh, how old are you right now, by the way? Uh, I'd be 37 in March. 37. So 37. You don't remember all this, of course. But mm-hmm. prior to 1982, the only place you could see live stand-up comedians, you would have had gone to New York, Chicago, Boston or Los Angeles. Oh wow! There was no such thing as seeing live comedians like in Charlotte or in Indianapolis or in Orlando. They didn't exist. They did wow. not exist. You know. So all that started in 1982, 1983, mm-hmm. and, and the clubs in Charlotte started opening in '84. Okay. You know, and it kind of mushroomed around the country. So. And you and you who so who were your influences? Because then before that. You didn't really have see people live, so who were some of the comedians that you grew well, up watching? Well, I don't think I, I don't think I, I don't think I was influenced by any of them. I, I tell you why. Mm-hmm. If I had started doing this when I was young, when I was a teenager or college age, mm-hmm. uh, those guys kind of knew what they wanted to do, you know. Mm-hmm. But it never occurred to me in my wildest imagination that someday I'd be in the comedy business. It never occurred to me I'd be in that business. So I was 35, 36 years old wow. when I started, you know. So it's not like I was, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed any comedian that made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Even the older guys, you know, I don't know. You may not know this based on your age, but when I was a kid, they had such great comedians on television. They'd have uh, guys like Red Skelton. You, do you know who Red Skelton is at all? No. You probably don't. You should just Google that sometime. Check it out. I'm going check, to check them out. Come on, every t- he's on television for 20 years, every Tuesday night, you know. And the old Ed Sullivan show was on for a zillion years. Oh, oh, yeah. Every Sunday. And every Sunday, there's always at least one comedian. One comedian, you know. Mm-hmm. It might be Alan King, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, uh, Jackie Mason. Oh, yeah. A bunch of those guys, you mm-hmm. know. So anything uh, that made me laugh, then that's what I wanted to see. Me and my dad, we watched the Ed Sullivan show when I was a kid on Sunday night. And once the comedian came on, then we changed the channel. <laughs> really, we did. <coughs> we didn't really care about the other. We just wanted to see that that comedian. That's all you, you know? wanted to see. Yeah. So I've always loved stand up comedy. You oh. know? Even before I got in the business, I just loved stand up comedy, and not picking out any particular one, just any of them. Wow, and it's funny because when I listen to you, a big, 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 big Bill Cosby fan. Oh yeah, oh yeah, one of my all-time great heroes. I hate to use the word hero. This say, I mean, he was just, I mean, just, I mean, I love that guy, right? You know, and uh, and see, he's been around since the nineteen sixties, as you know. Mm -hmm. Well, see, I was in high school in the sixties, so as a teenager, you know, I mean, he was coming along, and I had all of his albums, so. Uh, hysterically, hysterically funny. Well, y'all have some things in common that way because he was more clean, 
you know, without having to use a whole lot of crazy language to to, to get his point yeah, across. Yeah, I've too. never been. I, I I don't do. Now, when I first started, I wasn't as clean as I am now. Mm-hmm. I never did any X-rated material, you know. Okay. I used a little uh, foul language here and there. Not real bad language, but some bad language, yeah. you know. But, but I just found out this time when I don't really need it, you know. Mm-hmm. It should be funny without it, you know. Right. So. Well, that's, I mean, that's, and that, I like your comedy because you talk about how things used to be and how much. Oh, yeah. You kind of miss that. How crazy we done got. People love stuff, you know. <laughs> uh, what's going on in, in society? And our country today is, there's so much political correctness. So everybody is so sensitive, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mean that I would go on stage and actually insult somebody, you know, or right. something like that. I wouldn't do that. I never have done that. Right. You know, but a lot of the young comedians today, they are afraid to be really funny, afraid to be really funny because they might offend somebody in the audience. You know what I mean? Right. You might offend a, a black person. You might offend a feminist. You might offend... Maybe some Muslim that's in the lobby. You might. You know, mm-hmm. Everybody's got these little, little factions that people are afraid of. They tiptoe around. Or the tell a or if they tell a joke and somebody in the audience kind of grounds like ooh, then the comedian stands there and apologizes the whole flight. You don't know about. <laughs> and my my theory is is that you are at a comedy club. That, that, that's what that's what the audience should always remember. You know, I mean, I'm talking about those who not my audiences. Any right. audience yeah. who goes to a comedy club and kind of supposedly be offended, mm-hmm. you are in a comedy club, you dumb sack of shit. <laughs> You're in a comedy club. You're half drunk. The audience is half drunk. You are in a nightclub. You bought a ticket to see comedy, okay? And what? I mean, come on! Right, you, you you bound to be, you know, you're supposed to be offended a little bit, you know. Right. I mean, go get a laugh. Go get a laugh. You know. Matter of fact, this is interesting. I was in Birmingham just recently, about a month ago, and I do this routine about uh, this fat lady routine I do. And I'm not really making fun of fat people, except I'm based on my own audience, my own family. Yeah. About a, a fat aunt I grew up with, you know. Well, after the show, I was at the merchandise table. And she was all over me about that. She didn't want me to do that anymore because she was talking about she at one time had been extremely obese and she had this serious operation. She almost lost her life. They did the, uh, what's that bypass on the thing called? Gastro. The, yeah, gastro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she had some other things, you know. And, every t- and when I started doing that routine, it brought back those old memories to her. And it really, it was unbelievable, you know. Right. And I said, lady, I, I said, you just really, I see. And, and she, matter of fact, she asked me, she said, you, she said, you should apologize. She said that. I said, not in my lifetime. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, come on, lady. I said, the whole time, I was on stage an hour and a half. I made fun of Baptist. Mm-hmm. I made fun about, uh, I, I made fun about uh, plane crashes. People have died in a plane crash. Baptist died at a funeral home, uh, you know, and I said, and those people didn't uh, come back here. They're not complaining. Right. Okay. And you want me to, to apologize to you because I'm talking about some one thing that thing, you, yeah, you know, so I think what happens to a lot of people is I rarely, rarely have a problem. I just don't. Mm-hmm. There's such wonderful, wonderful people, thank goodness. But I think in, 
society today, mm-hmm. and this is a theory I got. Okay. There is a percentage of the American people who wake up in the morning looking, looking for something to bitch about. Mm. They're actually looking forward. I mean, you know what? They're looking forward to find something they can bitch about. Right. You know, I, I just believe that with all my heart. It's like everybody you know? got an addiction. Maybe that's theirs. They wake up. Some people got to have a drink. They got to have something well, to bitch just, about. They just want to. They want to find. They want to find some way to be offended. Some way to be insulted. For some way to complain. You know, they'll just get up. You know, take a shower. <laughs> Put on some clothes, get outside, do something, work in the yard, go find a job, do something. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. You're right, because you, they came to a comedy club. Because sometimes I tell people, like, you act like we came to your house and did this. Yeah. No, no, you came down here. Yeah. It's a comedy club. <laughs> right. It's a comedy club. Right. You know? It, 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 that's what I'm saying. That, if, you think it, if you think about that concept, that concept. Mm-hmm. Of somebody coming to a comedy club and being offended, mm-hmm. the very concept. I ain't talking about my show. I'm talking about anybody's show. Right. I may not like a com- a particular comedian, and I may not particularly like his material. Right. As an individual, I right. may not. I may not. Mm-hmm. But to actually go to a comedy club, go to a night club, is comedy. Right. And really, really really expect to never, ever, ever be insulted or offended. See, these are idiots. <laughs> these are idiots. Really, really, these are idiots. And there's a lot of idiots in the country. These are idiots. These are, these are buffoons. You know? <laughs> and those are the ones I just mentioned. Right. They look, they look for that, you know. Now, how do you know? How do you? Because I know you do a lot of, do work for a lot of companies, right? You do corporate well, stuff. As many as I can, yeah. Now, how do you balance... Because they get offended real easy. The, the no, they don't. Or You're they want you. They that. want you to walk a certain line. Well, no, right? wrong. well, no. These are corporate people, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's usually some big company, and you're doing an an annual thing. Like it's usually a three day event, and I come in as an entertainer, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, there's no restrictions. I mean, you don't if you. I don't know anyway, but if you were one of those people that maybe uses foul language at a comedy club, you wouldn't want to use foul language at a corporate event. Of course, that just makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I could that I, I get no restrictions. So you could do there. your same act at a yeah, because it's just it's just life, you oh, know. Okay. And some of these people, they must like what I'm doing, or they wouldn't come to me about doing the corporate event. You know, right? So there's no real differences between when you're doing something for a corporate. Do you, so you don't change what you do at all. No, you, I you well, just, I change quite a bit. But see, I, if I do a comedy club, I'm on stage for about an hour and fifteen minutes. Okay. If I go to a corporate event, I'm only on stage for about forty minutes. Mm. So you got half of the material anyway. So I edit, you know. I got to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't. But I'm not worried about, uh, you know. If I want to, if I want to do my routine about fat people, I can do it. You yeah. Know, if I want to uh, make fun of us, bad bitch with a covered dish, I can do it. They don't care. You know? <laughs> now I want to ask you one more thing before uh-huh. you before you leave. Uh-huh. What advice would you give to young comics? starting out who are trying to you know turn this into a professional career to be on stage as often as you can okay and try to treat it like you're going to school don't just go on open mic night or amateur night 
to hang out with your friends and to enjoy the beer. If so, if somebody's going to give you stage time, whether it's three minutes or whether it's 15 minutes, use that stage time to practice your craft, to practice what you're doing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So anybody that will let you go on stage, go on stage and take and do some time, you know. Yeah. It's hard to do. I know I'm giving advice that some people just can't do. Mm-hmm. But especially on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So if you're a young guy here in Charlotte, yeah, you know, they, you, they might be – some people in Columbia who have an open mic night. There may be somebody in Charleston. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Uh, find out where they are on the weekend drive down there. And get better. You know, it, you're not going to make any money. They're not going to pay you to do it. Mm. But I think just to continually, continually, continually be an open micer in Charlotte, you're not really trying to be a comedian. What you're trying to do is just to show off for your friends. Hang out. Hang out with your friends. And nothing wrong with that. Right. Nothing wrong with that. But if you really want to be a professional comedian, you have to expand your horizons a little bit, you know. Oh, yeah. But nothing can stop you if you really want to do it, you know. See, that's why people, especially among young people, sometimes I have a lot of nieces and nephews, and now they have kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I have some nephews that are as low as, as young as 11 years old, some in the mid to late 20s. And a lot of young people just don't quite grasp uh, some of the simple things about our country. Mm-hmm. See, no matter what's going on in life right now, and times change, sometimes we have some rough, rough times in our country. Mm-hmm. You know, some politicians, this guy, some politicians, that. And somebody likes this president, then in a few years they'll be another president. Mm-hmm. The president's changed, politicians change, and our country changes. But here's the one thing about America. See, this is the greatest country in the world. As bad as it gets sometimes, this is the greatest country on God's planet. Okay? You're living in America. You were born in America. You can do anything you want to do. If you got the desire and you got the willpower, nothing can stop you. Mm. You know, they, we're not under a dictatorial form of government. Mm. If you want to leave from Charlotte and just get in your car and head to Las Vegas, you can go. If you want to go to Seattle, you can go. You know what I'm mm. If you're a doctor right now, and you say, I don't want to be a doctor no more. I want to be a comedian. You can be a comedian. Yeah. If you're a comedian right now, and you say, you know what, I'm tired of the comedy. I think I'm going to take piano lessons. I'm going to learn to be a piano. <laughs> so, I mean, you could. You yeah. could. If you're a mechanic, you won't be a mechanic anymore. I want to be a truck driver. Yeah. I'm gonna drive an 18th wheeler. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. See, that's only only you. Only you can make that decision. You have to have to ask the governor. You don't have to ask a senator. You don't have to ask the president. You could be. See, so I just hope people realize that. You know, this is the greatest country known to man. You know what I'm about. And you're free. You're free. As of now, you're free. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and I mean. Take, the, take, take advantage. advantage of it, you know, and right. and be adventurous. Take some risk. You don't know what I'm about. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, piss off your girlfriend sometimes. <laughs> well, you, well, you're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. our, our, our boyfriend. Right. Our boyfriend. Right, right. Hell, I've had both. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean, really, you have to piss somebody off. Right. You know, if you want to go be a comedian. Oh, yeah. You know? But it's your life. Oh, you yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I tell oh. you what, I wish we had more time with oh, you. Oh, that's man. right. That's, I got to go take a nap anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was James Gregory, everybody, and uh, we'll see y'all next week. All right. <laughs> All right.
Comedy Zone podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the NC Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone podcast are Brian Hepburn, Lisa Barr, and Brian Baltashevitz. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever.